Welcome to The Leaders Who Care, a podcast powered by Dynamis Group. We are here to give the stage and support to those committed to create a positive and lasting impact, way beyond the profits and margins, the leaders of the world who care for others and serve a bigger purpose. Join us on the journey of creating a better, more caring world. And now to your host, Marian Timelkov. Well, it's really a privilege to have you today, and uh, uh, you're joining us from uh, Munich, I believe. Uh, but just a few words about uh, you. You're working for one of the greatest uh, European companies uh, with origins of uh, Switzerland and Sweden, and uh, you're in a, probably one of the most exciting uh, roles in the organization. Uh, but um, why don't you share a few words about yourself and uh, brief introductions for those of you who, who doesn't know you and uh, just curious to learn uh, who is Torsten? Yeah, sure. Pleasure to do so, Maya. So, Torsten Müller, I'm running the uh, building and home automation business of ABB, uh, something which is, as you mentioned, quite exciting right now because many trends are hitting our industry, a lot of chances coming up. Before I joined ABB, that's uh, now a year ago, I was working for three years in the Osram Group as head of transformation and uh, innovation. Also quite exciting time because Osram was moving from a light bulb manufacturer more towards a high-tech and digital company. And before that, I had the pleasure of being 12 years in the Bosch Group in a diverse set of roles. So I started in corporate R&D. So bringing um, sensor know-how that Bosch already had in the automotive space to these products here, to the smartphones. It <laughs> was a quite exciting time. That was back in 2005. Then I moved on into mergers and acquisitions and strategic planning. Was in charge of R&D for all safety sensors in the car. And my last role within Bosch was also quite exciting one because I had the possibility to start a complete new venture within the big company in a little bit startup-like format, I would say, focusing on the Internet of Six. Uh, by training, uh, I'm a PhD in physics. I was born and raised in Duisburg, that's in the west part of Germany, right in the industrial heart. Currently, I'm living here in Munich. As you can see me, I'm in the home office, like most of us, due to the COVID situation. And yeah, uh, quite exciting time. Uh, you know, when you when I hear someone that did PhD in physics, it's, uh, uh, you know, I always ask, how did you do it? <laughs> what attracted <laughs> you to it? Because that is, uh, you know, very hard and extremely... Uh, you know, extreme dedication, you know, to, to graduate. Well, well actually, um, uh, a very good question, because when I had to make the decision, uh, what will I be studying, I had two hearts within my chest. So one of them told me, okay, let's go for something like physics or IT technology. And the other one told me um, economics is also quite interesting. And I had to make up my mind and uh, yeah, with a good glass of wine, I decided, okay, let's take physics because that's something where you really have to learn from the scratch and then at all the different levels and take economics as a minor so that I could combine the best of both worlds. Well, it looks like, um, you know, when I hear your journey, you, you mentioned obviously Osram, Bosch. Uh, for those of you who don't know, obviously Bosch is uh, one of the greatest European origin companies that is actually a foundation and it's uh, giving a lot of donations back. Uh, it's just an awesome uh, organization that uh, employs more than 400,000 people. And uh, 
you are uh, in the uh, very interesting part of the automotive. Is it the smart vehicle uh, part, was it? Or which part of Bosch were you, were you leading? So what different areas, so um, for some time I was in the automotive electronics space mm -hmm. and it was really focusing on the latest sensors for cars. So thinking about passive safety, which means airbags and uh, restraining systems. It was about vehicle dynamics technology. So what you know as the electronic stability program, but it was also laying the foundation for um, the real autonomous driving. So in the moment where you don't have connection to the GPS satellite that you can still keep on track. But I was also in uh, other parts of the organization, but most of the time I have to say in unconventional parts, because these were really new ventures that the company was launching. Like I mentioned, the sensors for the smartphone, for example, or when I was in the M&A part and strategic planning, we did the first ideas about uh, e-bikes, uh, powertrains for e-bikes, which later on uh, founded a dedicated team, which was super successful in that market. And uh, Internet of Things, that was also something which was really across different verticals. So we worked on smart home systems, we worked on connected parking technologies, on Industry 4.0. So it was always, uh, let's say, at the forefront of new ideas. And as you mentioned, Mayan, uh, yeah, uh, Bosch is the prime company for that because they are family owned by foundation. And um, yeah, they have a really strong purpose statement. I'm really inspired when I hear about it. In fact, not many people know the story of Bosch, of course, but uh, it's really inspiring of what they do and how advanced they are and just really making a difference. Um, and tell us, what do you do today? Because you've been such a kind of diverse. What is your part of uh, building and home automation solutions? What's the kind of focus of uh, uh, this division? So it's basically uh, quite broad, I have to say. So uh, it starts with light switches and socket outlets, where we uh, have strong brands in different regions of the world. For example, here in Germany, we have the brand called Buschjäger. We have a strong mm -hmm. brand in Spain with Nissan. Um, that's somehow, let's say, the, the legacy core of that business. But of course, buildings are moving quite fast. More and more digital technology comes in. So um, we are heavily investing into building management systems for, for bigger commercial buildings. We have invested into building up a leading uh, smart home system, but also something which is also when we talk about caring, uh, quite important is uh, that we are looking into energy management of buildings because we really want to make buildings in the future carbon neutral. You know, this is very interesting because um, really we'll talk about care and especially um, what and how we, we care as individuals, but also the companies, because I know you're a purpose-driven leader as well, and uh, um, you had many opportunities in front of you. Uh, I'm aware that uh, a lot of companies and uh, uh, leaders would be proud for you to be part of the organization, but um, why don't you tell us what, uh, what attracted you to, to join this role, this organization, and, uh, and why? Yeah, I think you mentioned purpose, and I think that was really at the core. So if you look into what is the major share of CO2 emissions in cities, it's interestingly the building. Yeah. Uh, of course, it's a place where people live, where people work, and where people enjoy their, their free time. And um, I think ABB um, was at the point where we are in a position that we can make these buildings on the one hand side sustainable, 
So for example, if we optimize the HVAC system in a building, or when we automatically dim the lights in rooms which are not used, but at the same time, we can, let's say, improve the quality of life for people. So um, you, you all knew it. If you are in a hotel room and you have to, to play around with the thermostat and try to catch the right uh, level of uh, temperature in the room, that's something which is annoying. That's where modern digital technology can make it much easier. So for example, you go into a hotel room, the system knows who you are and adjusts the level of temperature, humidity, light to what you are used to. And uh, I think these are the things which in modern buildings will become mainstream. And it's now really at this, con uh, this um, bifurcation point where maybe some buildings will stay, I would call it dump, but the majority of the lion's share of the buildings will become smart. And that was really what attracted me. Wow, the sustainability and uh, the impacts, of course. And uh, hey, Torsten, uh, I'm sure you had a lot of uh, really uh, interesting um, challenges and opportunities as well to uh, to develop and grow and uh, um, you you have really uh, given back a lot through in many different forms but why don't you tell us about uh, how do you care what is your approach to care and you know what are the things that give you energy or motivate you when it comes down to taking care of others yeah I think um, care can have a lot of different explanations so you can care about your team which is super important if you want to run a high performing organization you have to care about your customers because only if you really understand their needs you can develop the right products and you can make a company grow in a sustainable manner i think um, we have seen a lot of topics of care now with the COVID situation where all of a sudden the pandemic was reaching the whole globe and we had to react quite fast to keep our people safe, to keep uh, our contractors safe, to keep our business partners safe. I think this was really a caring year. And um, yeah, last but not least, uh, we, we talked about it. Caring also means caring about the planet. And um, yeah, this year we did a lot of work inside of ABB uh, together with a corporate team, with the uh, executive committee also to come up with our sustainability targets for 2030. And I think that's also one very important element of care that I'm thinking about. Absolutely. And uh, this is really um, exciting. And uh, it's great to hear that, uh, you know, also ABB and the organization you're part of is making these uh, uh, commitments and impacts. Uh, I know that was one of the reasons that, you know, was you personally was attracted to. To, to give back. Also, uh, I know you, you, you guide and, and mentor a lot of young um, or future leaders in, in actual fact. Um, and, and uh, you know, would like to hear more about obviously, uh, how do you find the energy of course of doing that? And, uh, but more importantly, I guess, I'm sure you like everyone, you know, and you have difficult moments and challenges. Um, can you think of a moment or a case when your care was put to the test? When was a really difficult choice or struggle that you had to, to kind of make? Well, let, let's take for a moment the COVID situation. So when, when we yeah. were back in March and we, we saw the first wave spreading over to Europe and to the US, um, luckily we already had some good learnings from our colleagues in China who did a tremendous job in keeping everyone within our plant safe during that uh, initial phase of the crisis. 
But of course we had this learning and then we had to think, okay, what do we do? How do we protect our people? How do we protect our business partners? And one of the immediate decisions we made in nearly every country was saying, okay, people who can work from home should work from home right now. Of course, this might in the first instance be not very easy and maybe it creates also a little bit of confusion on everyone's end, but that really helps to take people out of a place where, where the infection can spread over. But of course, that, that's a type of caring about people. But we also ask ourselves what happens to our valued colleagues who are working in the factories. They cannot work from home. They have to work Absolutely. in the factory. And um, yeah, we, we also had a very good discussion about it in our leadership team and said, okay, it's nevertheless the right approach. We can protect the people who can work in the office by taking them at home, but also we take the density of people out of the plants, which means that the guys who are working still in the plants have much more space. And we also did a lot of other things to help it, like uh, thermal cameras at the entrances to check whether someone has fever, handing out masks, working on on the um, on the distance between the people in the production lines. But of course, um, there was a moment where we think, is caring about the people in the office the right thing, or does it send the wrong signal to the people who are working in a factory? And in the end, I was really happy because we had the engagement survey, uh, so an internal survey about uh, how people think about the organization and the leaders. And we really got from everyone, both on the shop floor as well in the office, is a very good score on how we dealt with the pandemic. That was also a very good sign for me at the end. What was the biggest roadblock that you had to overcome, you know, in, especially in the la during the COVID time so far? Um, dealing with complexity and uncertainty. We all know this notion of the VUCA world. Yeah? And uh, I think that was a prime example. Um, at the beginning, when, when the, the onset of the pandemic was in China, intellectually, everyone was thinking, okay, this will spill across the whole globe. Um, but um, the natural reflex is also to say, hey, it will not become that worse. Uh, luckily, we said, okay, let's, uh, let's work on the scenarios. And um, yeah, I think that, that there was not that much barriers because in time of crisis, and this was for sure, I think for most of us as leader, the biggest crisis we were facing in our careers, also the decision-making process is much more focused on what is really necessary. So you, you do not focus on things which, which are not necessary, just focus on what decisions do I have to make today to be prepared for the next day. And uh, I think for some people, yeah, this is a change in mindset, which had to be done from one day to the other. Yeah. Um, luckily, I have to say my fellow co-workers uh, were pretty much of the same opinion. So we, we managed that transition quite well. But there's always these latent fear that you have, uh, would it get worse? When will we hit the bottom line? When will the infections be decreasing again? And uh, yeah, that's a topic which you have in each and every discussion. And you have to also to take care not to lose track of other things which are also important because uh, you have this big uh, pain point uh, at the back of your mind and you just like a deer in the headlight are just looking to these COVID numbers. So you always have to think, what are the scenarios? What can I do? How can I be prepared for different scenarios? And uh... In during that time, of course, and even now, um, what are the habits you have or strategies that you have to take care of yourself first? You know, how do you, um, you know, nurture care for, for you for yourself so you can have that resilience and energy to to take care of many others? Because it's uh, it's important to be sustainable. How do you 
make that uh, sustainable for you? Yeah, well, I think it was a, a mixture. Some established uh, methods that I always had. So, for example, I'm a big fan of the Eisenhower matrix, uh, where you look, is a topic important and is it urgent? And if it's yeah. important and urgent, you have to address it yourself. If it's important but not urgent, you can delegate. And if it's not important and not urgent, just ignore it. Um, I think that's something which helps you in these types of situations, but I did it already beforehand. Um, another thing which was important for me was also creating some new rituals. So uh, my wife and myself, we said, okay, we will have a coffee in the morning. That's our start nice. because we are both working from the home office and that's somehow our ritual, which, uh, which grounds yourself somehow. That we have a walk in the evening, so that's new rituals that we put in place. And um, for me, it's always helpful if you try. I, I'm a guy that's very personal who likes to work really full throttle during the week, but I try to keep my weekends free so that I can more on my personal things like woodworking or uh, or doing some, some some nice walks or hiking in the mountains, or to think a little bit more strategic. But I try to keep as best as possible. Of course, in a COVID situation, it doesn't work out 100%. Keep operational topics off the weekend. It's, that's my way of addressing you, it. And you know, uh, how, how do you switch between those two? Because, you know, I it's not that easy. And I know a lot of people that they take work home and, uh, you know, or, or even on holidays and uh, vice versa. Sometimes when they are at work, they may have to think about family and, and, and actually probably holiday <laughs> in that sense. How do you di differentiate or distinctly kind of, uh, you know, switch between the different activities? Well, uh, I would be lying if I would say I don't have to do some work during the holidays. I think uh, everyone <laughs> in special position somehow experiences that. Um, but however, I think uh, what I try to introduce in, in the team is that we are taking care of each other. And that means also that I try to empower my people. So this means when I'm on holiday for the day-to-day -day mm. And hopefully also if I'm not on holidays, they don't have to reach out to me. They are empowered, they are accountable for what they're doing. So please don't send me any email where I'm just in CC so that I get to know about it, but I don't have to do anything. I think that drives down the amount of work quite consistently. It also gives people more fun to work because they can do the decision on their own. And um, that's for me the way uh, how high-performing teams are working, really giving trust to each other, um, keeping the level of empowerment high, which um, mostly works well. Sometimes you're struggling a bit in larger organizations with that due to regulations, for example, uh, but also keep people accountable. So um, if they take over the, the entrepreneurial freedom to think how they run their businesses, uh, but also hold them accountable for the results. It's interesting, as you say, when you kind of empower people, uh, I think uh, that's where the real joy comes in of uh, really developing others and creating great teams. Um, but um, I know it's a lot of consistency and hard work in, in kind of uh, finding, and not everyone actually uh, have developed or could develop others. Um, of course, everyone can learn. It's a skill to me. I, I believe you could learn it. And, um, but also the real difference is if you're passionate about it, really kind of, right. and you enjoy it because that's when the real uh, uh, impact it's, it's coming. And uh, um, 
in, in terms of obviously uh, joy and, and work and, and kind of impact, you go w way beyond um, what just a day-to-day -day role uh, could be in, if you develop that kind of engagement and passion in the teams. Fully agree, Marian. And for me, it's always, if I think, how can I leave a lasting trace yeah? mm -hmm. in the world, the business, if you develop a new product or a new service? Super exciting, no question. I really like it to do innovation. But this product stays in the world for two years in the consumer electronic industry, for 15 years in the automotive space, maybe a little bit longer in the, in the building space. But if you really want to leave a lasting trace, you have to develop people because they will be the next generation leaders. They have to, 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 um, to somehow condense what they have learned and come up with new ideas. And that's how you can keep an organization or a company at a high performing level. So um, I think a few minutes ago, you asked me, um, how do I find the energy for doing mentoring? Uh, I have to say, I don't have to find any energy for this. I have to find a free slot in my calendar. Yeah, that's true. But uh, that's so super, um, super engaging. And uh, you get so much back also from your mentee. Um, so that's always for me the most rewarding part uh, of my time in the week to have this mentoring. And uh, I have to say, I learn something, especially from the younger colleagues in each and every mentoring session. So it's not only giving people something, but also getting something back. And uh, so I think this mentoring, this coaching, this is really what we as leaders have to do. It's, I call it the servant leadership, you know, it's, it's, it's not any more of being super directed to say you have to do task xyz so if you lead like this uh, you will be in trouble in the future because the world is much too complex but to say okay this is our target there yeah? we want to be in five years down the road and maybe these are a few boundary conditions that we have but now please make up your plan let's discuss your plan and then let's jointly execute on it well first of all thank you for giving back i had i never forget a, um, a comment i had one of the best things you can do in your lifetime is to um, if you want to give back is do that by guiding and guiding, mentoring and, and give your, your, your time, sharing your best practices, sharing your, your failures in that. So, uh, um, it, it's really, uh, great to, to see that. And, and thank you for making that such a profound difference, you know, in, uh, in, in our world and community, which certainly, um, uh, it, more leaders and uh, um, and companies are starting to do that. So it's great to see, you know, this kind of positive trend. Um, and moving forward, Torsten, what are the things that excite you? You know, um, what, what is what, what do you dream of? You know, in moving forward, and you you've seen a lot, you've done a lot. Um, but at this moment in time, what are the things that, you know, you, you personally um, get excited about? I think um, there are different dimensions to this. If I look a little bit more to the short to midterm, I see a major transformation ongoing in AVP. So uh, mm -hmm. the new CEO on board since a year now, uh, mm -hmm. he, he uh, gives empowerment to his divisional leaders. So he says, okay, uh, you get much more freedom to operate, to make own decisions, but you are also, as I mentioned, accountable for your businesses. That's something where I see an organization currently on the move because before my time at ABB, 
It was a different type of organization. It was a strong matrix organization with three dimensions. So everyone was really focused more on a functional role or on a, on a regional role. Now it's really becoming much more entrepreneurial. And it's really nice to see how many people across the organization actively take up the freedom they gained and uh, come up with new ideas. I think uh, on the more mid to long term, uh, I'm super excited to see the first carbon neutral cities, I have to say. And oh, I'm wow. Quite sure, uh, I'm quite sure that uh, this will happen. So um, in, in, in many um, circles like the World Economic Forum, we had these types of discussion to target really carbon neutral cities by 2050, maybe even earlier. And you can now see how companies, how organizations uh, from different angles are joining forces for the first time, like utility companies, like technology companies, like ABB, real estate companies, um, uh, financing companies who now offer green bonds for people who want to renovate their homes uh, at lower interest rates to really make that a reality. And um, I think the first city who will hit that target um, uh, that's something I'm super excited about, I have to say. Who do you think are the top contenders? Oh, well, there's a lot of uh, initiatives going on. Um, of course, there's a lot of money in the Middle East. So um, you, you see cities investing there quite a lot. Uh, you see a lot of good technologies coming from China. And um, I think one really good thing that you can see within, uh, within uh, the Chinese cities is that they are willing to do leapfrog innovations. So um, they can also skip one technology level. They bring in a lot of AI. So we see it in the Nordics. So uh, cities like Helsinki who are very much active on it. But you can also see it in North America, cities like Vancouver, like Portland, who are heavily investing, and maybe even New York. Um, so what you can now really see is a little bit of a race. And uh, yeah, a race is good because it's, race. Competition. it's a great race. <laughs> it's a great race, it's competition, it's a good target. And yeah, let's see who, who wins the race. I think most important is do not create lighthouse projects. Yeah, Take whatever you learn in these projects and spread it across the globe. That's Absolutely. the only way we can, we can hit the target globally. It's super exciting, you know, to, to see that. And uh, um, you are pretty much in the midst of that. I guess that's one of the things that really attracted you as well to, to, to make that profound difference. And um, what do you think uh, we could do? Or what's your vision of uh, how everyone on the listeners could, could do to take their part in spreading the care culture and uh, maybe even contributing to really uh, uh, one is the better environment, you know, with, with obviously our climate change. The other one is a better world in terms of actually care and, uh, and actually more joy. You know, it's how do we go to that abund abundance mindset? Let me start with the people perspective first. Um... I think what you have mentioned is giving back to the society, giving back to your surroundings. That's, that's very effective. Um, I had one colleague when I was within Bosch, uh, a friend of mine, Tim Fraser, who was running the North American business for automotive electronics. He, he gave me a very good advice, which still sticks a lot in my head. Mm -hmm. asked, um, if you have to make decisions, take a job, for example, or, or start a project, always ask yourself, where can I add value? So what are the things that are intrinsic to me where I may be above average 
I can add value to a decision-making process or to a meeting or to a company or to something like mentoring or uh, working with local communities. And I think if everyone asks himself this question, then you can really allocate whatever capabilities you have in the best possible manner. So that, that would be for me my, my second hand, <laughs> um, let's say, um, mm -hmm. advice to people um, to think, where can I add value? And uh, I think it also holds true if you think about how can we support um, our ecological footprint and handprint. So I think it's different for everyone. It's different for different industries, for example. So let me take ABB. We made our decision that we will be um, CO2 neutral by 2030 in all of our operation side. But we will have an even bigger impact by doing products which are saving energy. So for example, my colleagues from the motion divisions, they have a smart way of running motors which reduce energy consumption by 30%. If you think that this technology, yeah, from ABB or from another company, doesn't matter, would be in each and every motor, imagine how much CO2 you can save. Yeah? And I think, don't have one answer which fits all people. Let everyone think, where can I add value? And then uh, if everyone does that and executes on that, we will be in a very good position, I'm very sure on that. We have a question here, uh, Thorsten, and says, uh... This is from uh, Stefan and saying, Dorsen, what do you wish you knew when you were 20 years old? And uh, now that you are <laughs> obviously uh, 22, <laughs> uh, what, what would you advise your younger version of yourself? Uh, I was joking about your 22, by the way. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, um, it's, uh, you know, what you wish you, you knew uh, and what advice you could give your, your 20 years old? Self. I don't know whether it's an advice, but <clears throat> what would be helpful for me at that time, um, normally people like me, they want to rush through, they want to see the results, they want to have it as yes. quick as possible. And um, what I learned, of course, during the several years of leadership positions is organizations, people cannot change at a, at a, at a super high speed, at least some of them. Yeah. So get a good understanding of the systems of people around you and uh, think how they can help you. And I think what I also learned during the decades was um, listen to people. Maybe you have the best idea in your mind already, but to get acceptance, you have to listen. And maybe there are even better ideas in the community. And I think that's something which is natural. If you're young, you're much more focused. You want to achieve things. You think in technologies and products, uh, the, the more experience you get, you are thinking much more in organizations and stakeholders and convincing, et cetera. No, this is uh, uh, really so important because when you're young, you want immediate gratification. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, you, you could still want it when you are, you know, advanced in age as well. <laughs> but uh, it's uh, more more often that there's not a lot of, uh, you want it now, today. While there's power in that, um, there's also uh, really, you're right, to understand, first of all, who you are, what your key strengths as your advisors, you know, find out your key strengths. Uh, find out your passion maybe and marry the two if possible and uh, um, pick one thing that you can excel and give back but also understand that it takes time and uh, like you're going to the gym right it, what makes you fit is not uh, going to the gym for nine hours in one day and just yeah. you want it to be like superman but maybe nine months for 20 minutes or 30 minutes makes you you know much stronger and fitter so the, the consistency and actually allowing that uh, uh, time 
for to develop for not only yourself but also others and what i hear as well is you 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 mentioned listen and accept others because we're not here to change anyone the only one we can change is ourselves if we want to become a better version of ourselves so uh this is uh is there any other tools or 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 really kind of uh insights that have helped you you know to become who you are but also you know to have that abundance Thorsten, you know and in opportunities in uh, you also um you can see your well-being you know it's because i believe there are two separate categories one of them is financial success or career success the other one is your well-being meaning uh, are you really happy with or, or joy you know have joy in, in your life and sometimes they can complement each other but they're two separate categories um is there any other kind of advices that you can give uh, the audience yeah maybe coming back to your first question <clears throat> what is the other advice is building up a strong team around you also coming back to the question from uh, from the audience I think if you are at the beginning of your career, you have a natural tendency to look for people who are pretty much the same like you around you, because you can hit the next milestone that you have to, to reach much faster. And because there's not much discussion, everyone is aligned, you're just moving full throttle ahead. But uh, what of course you learn is during your, your career and also during your life, is the fact that you need a really diverse team bringing in new ideas, bringing in different um, different views, different angles. And um, that's the only way to drive a transformation. So if you are just having people around you who are like you, you will not drive a transformation. That is for me a super important learning. And um, when you talked about how to keep the resilience and uh, how to keep this, I would not call it work-life balance. I think it's, that, that's a quite old fashioned word in the meantime, but let's say these, uh, this good coexistence and, uh, and, uh, and, and a positive resonance between life and work. Um, for me, it's also having some things around me which are completely different. So for example, I like to do woodworking. Yeah? Wow. Again, yeah? my, my, my wife hates that because I'm buying a lot of tools uh, every week. Um, but, um, but that's something I can craft with my hands. That's something which is really giving me positive energy when in the end I I have a small cupboard or whatever built uh, that, that's super helpful to me. And yeah, of course, um, it's also good to have family, to have friends who can support you in difficult situations. And uh, I still remember uh, a discussion, I think that was two years ago, uh, with a friend of mine when we talked about how decisions are made on, on a CEO level. So for example, when mm -hmm. one company buys another company for tens of billions of euros, he said, in the end, uh, the decision is made uh, on the weekend uh, on the couch when the, the, the guy is asking his wife or the other way around, uh, shall I do this deal now or not? Because that can be the end of my career if it doesn't work out or we can be the stars. Uh, and in the end, uh, your wife, your family, your friends are your best advisors with it. And I think that's Absolutely. really the way it is. Um, you can have so many facts and figures analysis, but in the end, you have to make a decision. And it's also trusting very um, appreciated uh, people around. What a great advice, you know, uh, make sure that you, you take care of your family and uh, your friends, because they ultimately are, 
I guess, you know, one of the, the best advisors and in some cases with significant impact, as you say, you know, over the weekend, whether it's on a couch or on a boat, wherever it may be, you know, the, the, you, you could make that kind of uh, uh, decisions. I actually read um, recently uh, uh, a comment from the oldest uh, man living um, He's uh, 111 years old, um, and uh, they ask him, uh, what's the secret, okay? I mean, people at their 50s, they're already 60, starting to think themselves of old, but imagine you're 60 years old, and you have another 60 <laughs> or 51 years to left, you know, you know, it's like you're more or less half, you know, of your, of your journey, so it's like you, you're just starting in a way. And um, he said, you know what, it's exactly what you said family and friends invest heavily in that, you know, kind of care, uh, love, respect, uh, warmth. And, uh, and that will, will give you a longer life and more joy. Yeah, I think uh, there's one specific aspect to that, Marian. Um, uh, a few years back, I think five or six years back, uh, with another leadership team of mine, we had a discussion about trust and also how trust is perceived on an intercultural basis. For example, a North American gives you on a scale from zero to 10, at the beginning 10 as trust level, and then you can only go down. Yeah. Uh, someone in, uh, in Germany, for example, it might start with a four and you have to prove yourself to move oh, wow. <laughs> They start to know. The important thing with friends and family is it is unconditional. So yes. there's it's not any conditional to, to the level of trust, it's just unconditional. Uh, you are exposing yourself also. And that's why these bonds are so super tight. And I think if you have people who were your mentor, or where you work very closely with, also if you have changed the company, you still have a lot of these nearly unconditional trust that you can also talk about difficult situations. Amazing. You know, it's really, uh, it's inspirational when you hear that and, uh, um, uh, that's building what matters at the end of the day is exactly to work and uh, live and with, with people and family, friends, business partners that you can actually trust. And not just in the good times, but exactly. uh, in, in the exactly, I think this, this is such a good moment, this uh, crisis that we're going through, because strengths and weaknesses of leadership um, are shining. Now, really, you can see very clearly who um, does what and uh, and of course uh, make up your mind of how you want to serve and, and make an impact on the world. Um, it's been very interesting, Torsten, and uh, I just to kind of wrap it up with you, uh, one really uh, important question and, and vision of what's your vision for a better world? You know, it's how when you close your eyes and, and think about it short term and from short to long term, you know, short term meaning from the next to the next three years, then all the way to the next 30 years or, or, or 50 years ahead. Depends who you're asking. If you ask a Japanese, they may tell you a uh, hundred years. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think short term, it's important that we overcome the crisis and not only in a medical way and in a, in a um, economic way, but um, that we do not fall back into old habits which were yeah. uh, a, a century ago, you, you can clearly... Like what, what are the old habits that you, 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 you can think of that 
don't serve us, don't 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 help us. Yeah, if you if you we have a global economy, but much more important, we have a global possibility to travel, for example, which yeah. means that many of my friends are not in Germany. They are somewhere in North America or in China or wherever. And um, given the fact that we all cannot travel that much, and we saw at least in the, in the last uh, few years a certain level of protectionism uh, across the globe, um, there is at yes. least a little bit of concern that, uh, that this might prevail and that, that would not be good. So that's something we definitely have to overcome beside, of course, the humanitarian tragedy and the economic impact. We, we have to come back to a smart global approach. Maybe it's a different yeah. one. That's okay. <clears throat> but, but we are one world and we should not think that much into countries. Absolutely. I really hope that also the European Union will play a more important role in the future. That this will not end up in, a, in the start of a breakup of the Union, but more in a reinforcement. So that's something which is really at the back of my mind when we talk short to, 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 uh, to midterm. On the long term, to really develop that vision is difficult. <clears throat> but uh, as you have seen, I'm a big fan of digital transformation. I'm a big fan of, um, of a sustainable development. And I think if we find a smart way to combine sustainability, digitalization, but also bringing people in focus so that it's a world which is livable for people, then I think uh, then we have really done our job in a very good way. And then we, the, the, the globe will be uh, really the place to be. And um, yeah, let, let's overcome the skepticism, let's overcome the perceived barriers, and let's understand that we need all three elements to make the, the world uh, future-proof. Amazing. And um, I do believe that uh, there's a lot of, uh, the, the future is exactly in that. In, um, it is one thing that unites us and uh, it's above nations and religions and everything is care. If we start to care for each other and regardless of which nation and, and act as one, we have one planet that we live on. We, um, before Elon must find another one, but, uh, <laughs> you know, for, for, for now, it, you know, we, we really need to unite. And this is where act yeah. as, as one and uh, overcome these uh, difficulties. And I know one thing, um, when you start first, so start with yourself, if you're not happy with the situation or, or Something's happening. Start with yourself and take care of yourself, of your colleagues, people, uh, partners, and eventually it, they will be inspired. They will start taking care of you and your team. And um, I do. I greatly believe that also in the even in the European Union. I think it's going through. All this is happening. I see it as a great uh, positive uh, change because clearly it was needed to become better and stronger and uh, and bring that diversity, but also hopefully we as Europeans can uh, be a bridge between uh, different parts of the world and offer a lot of uh, best practices because we've gone through major conflicts and uh, um, we could share what not to do, but also what to do as well. And uh, um, I, I really believe that uh, a better world is coming that is uh, people are advancing not just technologically but emotionally as well and uh you know the emotional intelligence is uh, is there and, and the care is of course uh, getting there and and really uh, we start to respect each other's differences but at the same time uh we can unite when we need to exactly 
Well, thank you so much for being part of uh, this. Any final words, uh, Thorsten, from your end? <clears throat> no, it was a pleasure for me to have that dialogue with you, Marian, as usual. Uh, really enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, also looking into the next leaders who will care in the next episode. <laughs> so this has been the tenth one, so you added the zero. Um, Absolutely. So looking into episode 11, 12, and so on. Thanks a lot. Thank you Mark. for being part of it. And uh, we are very excited to discover those leaders like you around the world that are actually making a profound difference. Thank you and for, for giving back, for serving, for guiding. And uh, um, we'll be in touch again. Thank you so much, Thorsten. Have safe. a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. And we hope you enjoyed this episode. Find out more about the leaders who care across the main social media channels and help us spread the care culture in your own community, first by taking care of yourself and then of others around you. It all starts with one person, one act of kindness. What is one thing you can do today to make your environment better? Stay inspired and stay caring. See you next time.